Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Taco Tuesday. Ah, it's Taco Tuesday. I wish it was Taco Tuesday. <laughs> the queen of protein. <laughs> I just got done chewing on a whole bunch of ice, so my mouth is a little numb, so I sound like I'm slurring my speech. I promise I haven't been drinking. Not tonight. Do you have a mineral, the, the, mineral deficiency? Mineral deficiency. <laughs> That's why people chew on ice, I hear. I need more minerals. My, that's what my dentist told me. I don't know. I was like, whatever, dude. Which is this, is this the dentist that's been fixing your teeth for the last couple of years? That dentist? No, this is uh, this is some dentist from long ago. Long ago. Long ago. Hey, guess what? It's we're continuing our Boys of Summer month, and you already know what it is because you're already looking at it. So. Here we are. And if you're still with us, We're you're going to enjoy the shit out of this. Hey, well, you know what? You hit play. That's right. So <laughs> that's a good start, right? 1996. We got a movie that, um, with, with a star, again, a Boys of Summer that had just killed the box office with Ace Ventura and its sequel and The Mask and Dumb and Dumber. And because of that, he became the first $20 million salaried actor. Jim Carrey stars as the cable guy. And unfortunately, he's the cable guy is not the best part of the cable guy. He may it uh, is that <laughs> no, it's not. Everything else is better. Everybody else in this, even Owen Wilson, who I can't stand, is playing the kind of person I expect him to, though I can't stand. I'm like, oh yeah, you play a character I don't like. That's good because I don't like you. So that works for me. So that, that's acceptable. Seeing Owen Wilson getting beat up by Freddie Mercury is almost the fucking high point of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one of the things is the problem with this movie is that it's the most uneven movie that I've, I've seen anybody create where they're you dealing with that dark comedy kind of thing, right? Um, but there's too much time. There's too many times, though, where it feels, what's the best word to describe it? Annoying. Confused. Like, it doesn't know what, does it want to be slapsticky Jim Carrey movie? Or does it want to be dark? Dude, it, do you want to own that or not? This is like Fire Marshal Bill goes to fucking the <laughs> movies. I mean, it, it's, it, it, here's the thing. Unfortunately, uh, they, somebody, you know, the powers that be just turned Carrey loose for better or worse, right. obviously for worse, because this movie, it, dude, this movie could totally work with somebody else in it. I swear to God, I, like I said to you earlier, it's kind of the, it's kind of the talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> right. Um, just, but, but Jim Carrey is, he's on 15, dude, and it doesn't work. Like, I almost shut it off at medieval times. I was, I couldn't. Right. Um, you know, I had to take a break. I had to turn it <laughs> off and come back an hour later and, you know, fucking, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, this movie, man, holy shit. Uneven doesn't even fucking scratch the surface, my friend. Yeah. Uneven, confused, schizophrenic. There. Schizophrenic. There you go. This movie is totally schizophrenic. What it's not and I felt this way at the time too. You get to the you get to the and it's not even the whole third act. You get to the half the last half of the third act when you realize that a more, like you said, even Jim Carrey at ten would have been too much for the the nuances that that right. you you needed for that for where you feel bad for Chip and or whatever his official name is because they never really say his real name. No, is he Chip? Is he Larry Tate? Larry we Tate. don't know. Yeah, I mean, I also let me just say this: 
the names he's giving, dude. I feel like a dude. You, yes. You, come on, Jack. None of these guys can figure out those are names from especially, fucking classic sitcoms. Especially Give me a break. Jack Black, who works in television. Yes. Come on. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing ever, dude. Like, I feel like everybody's like, I mean, it's like everybody's had a fucking lobotomy. And when Jack Black goes, when he, when he has that, my three sons moment where he's like, he's like so proud of himself. I'm like, you know what? You're a dummy for not knowing it. Why does that right. sound? That whole, why does it sound familiar? Ooh. Because, dude, <laughs> it's my three sons, and I don't care who you are. If you were seeing that movie, you knew what my three sons is. You knew who Chip Douglas was. It wasn't a name that as soon as he said it, and when I saw it in the theater, how many years ago is that now? Twenty seven years ago. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, that's kind of cute, I guess. And then, um, but I thought it me, was but cute I, till it wasn't cute. It was cute until he opened his mouth. Well, I thought it was okay, but until I realized that wasn't his that that he was goofing. I thought maybe yeah. I thought maybe he just changed his name because he was always in front of the TV. There was I don't know for what point it was. Maybe the first time you see young Chip in front of the television, getting plopped in there by his absentee mom, who would just bail on him, right? latchkey kid that he was <laughs> it reminded me of fuck what was that hbo show dream on right the character lead character in that can can't cope with life because all he they do those cutaways where they're showing old movies or old tv shows for his reaction to your per- well that show is so fucking funny so creative but Unlike this movie, everybody was good on that. Everybody was entertaining on that. Every, everybody was working, you know, on, on uh, overtime, making sure things worked. This one, like you were talking about, the man who says, I'm worth $20 million. By the way, this movie cost $47 million. He took almost half the, the budget of the movie. I don't know, man. Do you, like, let's, let's go and run down real quick the, the, the other people that are in this movie. Yeah. You got the the main lead, his protagonist of this, that's not the cable guy, is Matthew Broderick. Yep, Stephen Kovacs. Newly dumped Matthew Broderick by Leslie Mann, who's adorableness, like she is in everything. Yeah, it's funny, like this is this is like her first or second real. Yeah, I, were they, were her and Apatow a, a couple yet? I don't think they were married yet, but were they a, at least a couple? They must have been. Gaptow came on, came on to produce the movie after Jim Carrey was signed and then they didn't want him to direct it. So that's when he convinced Columbia say, Hey, all right, well then what about Ben Stiller? He did that big hit reality bites last year. And well, it might've done okay in the theater, but it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't very good. And, uh, I think we've been better off with an, with a, an Apatow movie. I guess there's a plus to this. An Apatow movie would have been two hours long. This was an hour and 35 minutes. Yeah, thankfully, painless. Yeah. Pain, but but it felt like three hours and thirty five minutes to get through. <laughs> I mean, it's dude. I, I and like I, I I think it was my suggestion to this movie because I remember actually enjoying. But I don't, man. Uh, maybe it's most people don't cover that. Most people cover the other movies I already mentioned. You know, they're going to cover those movies yeah. like like The Mask and and Dumb and Dumber. They're going to hit those ones first. So and I kind of always liked this because it was it it did it did have a sort of a darker side to it, it was a little edgy. But now I watch it and I'm like I don't know what I was thinking, man. I must have been high as a fucking kite when I saw this, and also I was 26, 25, whatever. Yeah, and they were going for a pseudo "What about Bob" kind of thing. But unfortunately, what makes that movie go is the the perfect antagonistic relationship between Richard Dreyfus 
and Bill Murray. And it works together so well because you can just tell they don't like each other in real life, which they didn't. And it shows. Yeah, totally. And it fits that perfectly. With this, you're like going, Matthew Broderick doesn't dislike anybody. You know what I mean? Also, Jim, Jim Carrey is just literally, there. there's no, I mean, he might as well just been acting in a fucking, in front of a blue screen with a bunch of like people in blue fucking chroma key suits. Yeah. And they could have just, you know, because he doesn't give a fuck. He's not giving the other actors any, anything other than, you know, 15. No. It's like somebody screaming at you for fucking, you know, well, good Lord for like 45 days where we shot the movie. <laughs> he just screamed at me every day. That's what happened. No, dude, it is. I mean, like, I, look at the, let's go to the rest of the cast, right? So we yep. got Leslie Mann, we got yep. Jack Black, yep. shows up, like baby Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Um, George Siegel, who I totally forgot was in this movie. Until uh, our, our buddy Stephen is, his son is in jail and he has to go bail him out. Right. There's something about that, but we'll come back to it once we go through the rest of the cast. Uh, well, then there's Diane Baker as Stephen's mother. And then Ben Stiller, of course, he shows up. Playing twins. <laughs> yeah, but dude, that, that, that whole thing just goes nowhere. I feel like I feel like that's a, a trope that I've seen in other Ben Stiller movies. Maybe Tropic Thunder. Right, it's just the setup just so they can pull the plug at the end sure. of the movie. I mean, yeah. I get it, but... It's it, like the OJ thing. Yeah, I get it. It could too. have been it, anything, honestly. The best... But here we go. So, Stiller, then we get Eric Roberts, who earns the only laugh in this whole movie for me yeah. this time through. <laughs> the, the, the commercial for the... TV made for TV movie of the sweet murders. Right. <laughs> Dude, it's Eric Roberts. And you know how I love Eric Roberts right, anyways, right. but it's Eric Roberts being Eric Roberts. Dude, it's so good. It, it, it even stinks a little of star 80 almost. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then you get Janine Garofalo is at medieval times along with Andy Dick, David Cross shows up for, right. but I feel like David Cross, dude, I don't even, does he have any lines? I don't remember. He, I only remember seeing him sitting in the office when yeah. uh, the the gag with the computer when Carrie's tapped in and you know fed the Broderick and Leslie Mann dishing on everyone in the office into the computers. Uh, Amy Stiller, who I'm guessing is Ben's sister. Yep. Owen Wilson, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, anybody else in here? Where there's a bunch of people. Who, yeah, yeah. The other half of Tenacious D is in this. You see Kyle Gass at the end when they're right. Yeah. So, Joel Murray. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a cool thing the, during the there's a basketball scene where it's yeah, Joel Murray and uh, I thought Bob, yep. Bob, Bob, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. And, okay, so when the only time you see Bob Odenkirk is when they're having a family get together, and the family get together is <laughs> Chip is waiting for Stephen at his parents Stephen's parents' house. Like they're having a party for him, dressed like Chip Douglas. Exactly. <laughs> Just like Fred McMurray, because Chip, yeah, didn't, right, Chip, right, Chip right. didn't dress like that. No, hey, not. I, I, always, so, <laughs> I only remember Ernie, dude, I really, honestly. Oh, and Uncle, and Uncle, Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie, that's it, yeah. Or Bub, <laughs> depending on how much you watched it. Because uh, I think when I first started watching it, wasn't Bub on there first? Oh, it was, shit. Uh, it was uh, William Frawley. Then he died, and they brought on oh, Uncle Charlie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like yeah. Bub. Yeah. Pants pulled up to his nipples. Yeah. Like what's that, all, what's that old Nick and Knight thing they used to do when they showed I Love Lucy? Like when they show it, like like they're talking about how uh, about how Farley would get attacked by his pants, and they're yeah, like, totally. <laughs> that was such a great bit. Anyway, he's been eaten by his pants. So that scene, okay. Our, our, this is after our introduction to George Siegel, and he's already bailed Matthew Broderick out of jail. I understand the point of the scene. I know what it's supposed to do. 
But how the fuck does George Siegel not know who he is after? Okay, he's not gonna. Is he gonna believe his son? I know, dude. You I know had what a I mean? big problem with I, that whole thing. I've never, I never really, it never really hit me until this time where his whole family turns on him because Chip, you know, acts the the it just kind of acts like the, I don't know. But it, the bottom line is, there's a conversation while. <laughs> While Stephen is still in behind bars, looking through bars and looking at Steve at, at George Siegel, right? Yes. And, and he tells him, he goes, "When well, he goes, and he and is what does what does he say to him? He's like, well, what were you doing taking stolen shit from him for? You should have known it was stolen, right? So when he points out that's the guy, how is he accepting of that? How does he invite the dude in the house? And how is he not surprised when he does all the shit that Stephen told him that he did? Yeah, he, he got the witness. He got the witness at first hand, but he's the only one that's witnessed it. We, he's the only one that we know that he's been that open to. Like, Dad, this is what this fucker did. I'm not saying I didn't make bad choices, but this this is what happened. And then right. all that shit, all the same shit happens, and he, nobody's he he leaves, and everybody's pissed off at Stephen for being a dick. Yes, yeah, I, I that part just didn't. I get what they're trying to go for. They're trying. He's trying to turn his life upside down. Take the jail scene out. Have that. Have the dad not be the one bails him out of jail. It could be. It could have been Jack Black's hell. Like, what the hell were you taking all that stolen shit for? Right. That would have been. That would have been the end of any kind of conundrum at that party scene. Yep. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Anyway, I I wish Bob Odenkirk actually had some more lines in there than he did. But like you said, everybody in this is fucking rad, dude. Except for the guy that plays the lead. That's a $20 million man ruining the whole thing. And then what makes his performance seem out of place is how, ever, how everybody else does their job and they do it well. And you realize that, you know, we've seen plenty of movies where, where they've been Jim Carrey's folly when he's acted like that. But there's something about this one where I almost felt like everybody else was on a, was reading a different script and I felt like it feels like Stiller was telling everybody, hey, act this way. And then Jim's all, and then telling Jim, do this. I don't know, man. It just, I, I feel like Jim was just doing his own thing and whatever Stiller told him, it didn't matter. Right. Or, yeah, yeah I don't know, man. I, I just feel like, you know, it feels like a studio movie where right. they paid an act. They, they knew what they were getting, dude. As I remember this movie, this movie was kind of like, I feel like it kind of flopped. It, kind of took a shit right it's i mean like it was it didn't do what they thought it was going to do right I mean, it still made money right. but it certainly you know for 50 million dollars i mean i think it grossed like 75 or something like that right and like maybe 100 and something worldwide where where all of those films that came before had uh grossed way beyond that the biggest problem that they ran into, like they dropped this thing in mid-June, all right? This thing will have premiered premiered in 1996 on June 14th. 96 had a lot of big movies. They had a lot of big movies, but they squeezed this in. Yeah, it had a $19 million opening weekend, which I feel, and it grossed 60 in the U.S., which I feel, it says estimated 47 million, so it's probably closer to 60. So right. maybe it broke even. I don't know, man. If it would, that's without PNA. I don't know. I think this movie was a bomb when it came out because I remember people like, I think it was too weird for people. It was dark. And I remember, I remember everybody going, it's so dark. So, but watching it today, I, I'd say being dark is not the problem. <laughs> well, yeah. I, it, unfortunately, and this probably hurt it because The Rock had opened the week before. Yeah. 
and we know that movie made a ton of money. And that movie actually definitely picked up some more. Well, yeah, word of mouth, and yeah, word of mouth the week after yep. for sure. And that's really the only thing that I'm seeing because Dragonheart, which did pretty good, that was still two weeks before that. So it's hard to say what it was that got in the way of it. I think it was just that people didn't like it. I think that Jim Carrey's performance got in the way of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, that that's all I really can. I, that's all I can really say because, if, like I said earlier, if you took him out of the movie, the rest of the movie works pretty pretty much. It's just him. He kind of ruins everything. Right. <laughs> His personality is too big. Forty million dollars of that hundred and two or close to hundred and three that it grossed before you know home video or or any kind of additional windows. 60 of that was domestic. That's what's crazy. It did two thirds of what it did domestically, but it did it internationally for a kind of movie where it doesn't translate necessarily well in other territories because of, I don't know, for a lot of reasons, you know, comedy can be sometimes, or even movies that are supposed to be funny. Or lack of comedy. Right. (laughs) The French probably loved it. Look at the other movies that got him the $20 million. They're all kind of high concept yeah. Situations, not like this. I mean, this movie was supposed to be a Chris Farley kind of Tommy Boy esque thing. It was built, it wasn't even written for him, but he was in the one in mind when he first signed. He was the first one that signed on it, bailed on it because of contract. I mean, I'm sorry, scheduling conflicts. The thing about this, here's why it doesn't work. You never, there's no empathy. You never feel sorry for no. Carrie's character ever. Dude, no. like literally when he felt, I wanted him to die so bad. And I was so pissed when he wasn't dead. When they, I was hoping he was impaled on the thing. And, and, and I remembered him dying. I did too. And I was like, well, at least they didn't fuck this up. And then nope, they <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, man, this movie sucks. <laughs> I, Voice of Summer. Voice of Summer. Okay, so. We, the, We're the, like 0 for 2. This, this was supposed to be number three. And you, I said, so, hey, we're going to do what we we're supposed to do for number two. And, and we just got our wires crossed. And I'm like, oh, no, no, don't worry about it, man. Because I remembered, I remembered it was going to be fine. That's what I said to you. I think I might have said to him, like, oh, it'll, be, it'll be cool. No, no, don't. I said, don't watch that other movie. I'll just go ahead and watch Cable Guy. I should have just watched the other movie. <laughs> I had it teed up to go. You should tell you, you asshole. <laughs> so it's my fault. Did you get- no, it's not your fault. It's my fault for watching the wrong movie. I think I just, I think I just went in the order of the text without oh. realizing that we had, you know, because in, in the text change that I took the screenshot of, it has them in order and it was second. So I just naturally, oh. it was like, Woo, and I just fucking watched it. And then when you said that, I was like, fuck. That's right. And I remember, I remember having a conversation. Yeah. So it's completely on me. Um, <laughs> well, no, I didn't, I didn't argue with you either. So <laughs> I mean, I would, I would have rather watched the other movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> watching this movie, I was thinking, I wish I was watching men at work right now. That, that's where I was at. You know, so when we did what lies beneath, we were talking about the kind, there was always, there's a gaggle of movies that came out that were like that. Not necessarily hundred million dollar movies with those particular, that level of stars in it. But there was also this kind of movie and the minute work kind of movie that kind of fits in the same category where it's a little, a little askew from a studio movie, even though this was a studio movie, but it's, um, I don't know. This is definitely, you know, everybody at Columbia like realized that they made a mistake and and getting into the Jim Carrey game then. 
So what was it like seven or eight years ago, maybe a dozen years ago? I can't remember how far, where Jim kind of like fell off the face of the earth because he was doing a lot of soul searching and stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he kind of talked about a little bit and not specifically to this movie, but you can tell it was, he was, he was talking about his ego and how big his ego was and how he was, he could, he wouldn't listen to anybody about anything is like, and he wouldn't argue with them. He's just kind of like, you know, the smile on my face. And I was just like, I'd go, just go do what I was going to do. I never said, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I just, just kind of just smiled and I went and did what I was going to do. And I feel like this is that point, you know, that, that he was in that mode where he was, well, there's lots of actors you hear about, you get bad word of mouth about. This is really when he hit that pinnacle, of like Jim Carrey's a pain in the ass to work with. And the only thing, the only person I had anything positive to say about this movie was Ben Stiller. Well, Ben, you did a shitty job making this movie. <laughs> so, like, uh, was- yeah, man, I, I don't know. This movie just doesn't. Uh, and there are other Jim Carrey movies we do kick out of. I mean, right. I haven't seen them in a while, but I don't now that I, now I'm afraid to go back and watch them. Like, I, I really do. And I really. Thought me myself and Irene was be hilarious when I saw it, um, and then we talked. Yeah, that was that was on I our liked list. This movie, dude. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I liked this movie at one point, like when I saw it. That's why I brought it up. Like, well, so it's Cable Guy. Yeah, nobody talks about Cable Guy. Now, now why? Yeah, because in my my rollback on me myself and Irene was like, ah, it's too many sight gags. We don't want to go down the Golden Girl route again and like and not be able to do it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, this doesn't have. There was something else that was about that kind of really rubbed me the wrong way. And just, I think it was that it just, it just screamed. Okay, look, we were talking about earlier, just a moment ago, I was talking about that subgenre of movie. And this is that subgenre of movie where it was like, you know, the love it and hate it kind of things. The Empire Records and people see Empire Records. They go, you like that movie? I'm like, yeah, I like that movie. Then it's, it's, this is kind of one of those movies where it's very, it's very polarizing yeah, to the to the people that enjoy it or don't enjoy it, and I, I was one of the people who thought they enjoyed it, but man, I just it was, it was rough. <laughs> I know. I, I, I you know, yeah. Well, I guess that's the this point of our show. Do things hold up? You know, do, do we do we like what we liked when we were twenty five, or is that end of comedy fallen so far out of fashion? Right. No, you know what I mean. I don't know. I, again, I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Good Lord, man. It was a rude awakening for me, for sure. Yeah. For something I that I did like or remember liking. Right. You heard the tail end of the episode where of, of what lies beneath what you were kind of saying. You make a comment. I, leave, I left it in there because I wanted people to understand, like, you know, that sometimes we run into those conundrums where we're kind of like, we don't know what to say about something. Or we were kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't want, I don't know how I'm going to feel about doing this episode. And that's how that was. I didn't think we were going to have the problem with this when we were making our list. Oh no. It's why I put things, it's why I put things in the order because I, here's the thing. The cable guy is not a movie you and I have talked about before we picked it. No. What neither was uh, what lies beneath, but the other three, most certainly. Oh Yeah. Most certainly. And I know, I know where it's going to be a love fest. I don't even have to, I can tell you right now, those last three are going to be like, all right, sorry for those first two. <laughs> Go. Hey man, like we said before, they can't all be like, no, they can't I mean, they're be. not all going to be because, you know, your mindsets change, you know, right. 
what you thought, especially with comedies, I find comedies are hard. Right. That's why I don't usually go back and watch them again. Especially when they're not funny. <laughs> I have a rule, man. I don't really go back and watch comedies because they don't. People always say, oh, you don't like comedies, dude. I'm like, no, that's not true. I do like comedies, but for the most part, they don't work a second time. Right. Me. Right. With, with the exception of Airplane, <laughs> The Naked Gun, two movies that I can watch anytime and that will make me laugh. Most comedies, you know, they don't do it from this time around. Right. The, the person, the, the, the DP on this is uh, Robert Brinkman. Um, he did Truth, uh, Truth About Cats and Dogs and Rules of Attraction for Roger Avery. So he's got a really good eye. And there's, a, there's some really good shots in this, but you can tell which ones were, you can tell which ones a skilled DP chose and which one his director chose. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of uneasy moments where you're getting a little bit of that Dutch camera angle on, on Broderick. And it really was like, it was unsettling because we hadn't seen anything like that in the rest of the movie. And it, all it did made me go, okay, look, I know that's an obvious move to do to a, do a Dutch camera angle for that uneasiness, but it's effective and it works. And you made you go, where's, where's the rest of that tone in this movie that was promised of? Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those ones where you thought, you, you know what? You should have waited for Chris Farley and left the script the way it was. But Columbia was so desperate to get in bed with Jim Carrey, they paid him two-thirds of what the original budget was. And the only reason they bumped in 27, another 27 million is because they needed to just to make the movie. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's because the movie, let's talk about it. The movie looks good. It's, yeah. It holds up. I mean, it's still, it's shot well. It looks nice. If, I, if my if memory serves. As far as like Jim's, as far as those, you know, those other movies, I don't remember thinking, wow, this movie looks cool. Because, I mean, I think they really, the only thing I had seen at this point were Dumb and Dumber and The Mask, maybe. And see, I hadn't seen the Ace Ventura movies. Right. Because I lived with a guy who literally recited them all, all of the gags. And I was like, oh, God. You couldn't, and you couldn't kick him out. <laughs> Go yeah, he was, you know, he was paying, he was paying a third of the rent. <laughs> But this movie looks good. I mean, sound, like you said, you said earlier, the needle drop. The needle drops are great in this movie. Yep. It's a great soundtrack. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that really does work in this movie. And the stuff that doesn't work is personal taste. I mean, I don't know. They're, I mean, right. coming from someone 26 years ago, 27 years ago, liked this movie quite a bit. Thought it was funny, but I just never seen it again because of, you know, the comedy thing. Once, you know, it's kind of like. But I thought, you know, it's like the set, right? Like, I thought, yeah, I like The Sixth Sense, but there's no reason to watch it again. Right. There's no rewatchability. There is no rewatchability for me in this movie. Right. And there, when, and that's the thing is, like, once once you had that moment, like when we did that, you know, the, the April Fool month, and you have that, like, oh, you know what? It kind of opened your eyes a little bit. I'm like going to remind you. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, we that was a more positive month than I think yeah. all around than we both thought it was going right. to be. And so far, this has turned out to be like yeah. a disappointing month. Yeah. Because I didn't think we were going to have this problem with any of these movies. Because after we did last week's, I thought, man, maybe we should have picked one of the, maybe we should have done Air Force One. We didn't even say in the episode. Right. <laughs> with this one, I'm kind of like, shit, maybe we should have done. Well, here's the thing. We would have still would have done this movie. That's the problem. We still would have hit this. Absolutely. It was the third movie, so we still would have done it. So it was just all you would have done. You you would have had a, maybe a little bit of a, a checkerboarded <laughs> episode release of 
not so good, good, not so good. Yeah. I don't know. It would have worked out a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. So we, again, 30 minutes, we're literally at the 30 minute mark right now. No, no matter how short this episode cuts down to, we talked about this before. We get through them fast when we don't dig them and we get through them fast when we love them because we, we just yeah. like machine gun all of our thoughts out. And the longer episodes to go past that, it's like when it's kind of like a mixed bag where it's like you know, the majority of it's good. And then like, oh, remember this? And then we start talking about those things like you do when you're hanging out with your buddy for getting pie after the movie's over. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about after I was got done at the end of this, I'm like, I, I think I need a drink, man. <laughs> I need to have something else to... What's what's that? What's the fucking mind eraser? I have one of those so I can. Dude, I wanted to go out and fucking jump off my fucking house. I wanted to film Nisha myself and just not watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah, totally. I wanted to take the I wanted the green pill. <laughs> oh, what? What? Well, you go there. You go. There's number two with Boys of Summer. And number two, movie number two, movie number two. There it is. If you still want to follow us on the socials, <laughs> if you still want to follow us after this lackluster episode. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, it's at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd. Uh, if you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. And on Insta, it's Culprit97. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram or at Tom Cody at Letterboxd.com. That's Tom Cody at Letterboxd. 